one who was, and he is, and he is to come. Amen? He is the one that we come to when we're lost. He's the one that we come to when we're in need. He's the one that we come to when we have questions. He's the one that we come to just to celebrate because in him is life. Amen? He is the answer to all things. Amen? Now, I hear one or two people respond to me. Now, you know I've been worshiping with you for a while now, right? And you know I like to respond when I agree with something, when I hear something. I grew up in a Salvation Army that talked back to the preacher, right? So, so when, when I say something you like, you have, free, you have freedom to agree with that, okay? Okay, good. Okay. Just, just because there should be freedom in worship, Amen. There should be, we should be excited about receiving what God has for us. Because isn't that what we come for? You know, we, we, I believe in the, my heart of hearts, and I tell each congregation that I speak to, that I believe that every person who wakes up on a day of worship, who gets dressed, gets in their car, gets on a bus, or walks to a core, they sit down, I believe this is what resides in their heart. I believe today that it's possible that the God of the universe might speak to me today, right? That God who heals and who corrects and who loves and who walks with me every day, today he might actually speak to me. Now, I know that, that through our years of worship together that, you know, it's, it's, it's a hope that's maybe pushed down, right? That sometimes we, we think we do it just because of habit. We, we, we come just because it's the right thing to do. We do it because somebody made us come. But I think in our hearts of hearts, we just want God to speak to us. We want, we want the divine touch upon our soul. Amen? We want that. But we've put up so many barriers to it. You know, and I'm going to talk about that a little bit in the sermon today. We put up so many barriers in our lives. We, we allow things to come to us that stop us from the interaction with the divine. And most of the times, it's what we think other people think that stops us. Amen? You know, I, I, when, when, I was, when I was just a kid and, and Major Carlton Butler was my core officer, I remember I was telling my daughter this the other day, and I was sitting there singing next to him, and he looks at me and goes, Gene, I think you can carry a tune. I was like, oh, well, thank you. Thank, thank you, Major. <laughs> he goes, when you sing, and you're singing to God, then you should sing in your full voice, right? Sing unto him. You know what the scripture tells us? It's sing unto the Lord a new song, right? And I don't think he says whisper it. But we're so concerned about how we sound to this person, we don't allow ourselves to sing our new song of the Lord. Amen? Right? It's about, it's about this guy. My worship oftentimes depends on what I think this guy thinks of me. And so we get trapped. We get trapped in what we do. Oh, my friends, can I give you the freedom to worship this morning? Can I give you the freedom, the confidence to stand before an almighty God who loves you, who loves you and cares for you, who wants to hear your voice, who wants you to, to, to interact with him? You know, seek the Lord while he may be found, right? The worship experience should be that of giving worth to the God of the universe, 
to understanding that he is the beginning and the end of all things. And what incredible experience and opportunity we have to listen to his word, to soak it in. It's not just English words put upon paper. It's the voice of God whispering to our souls to give us life, to separate the marrow from the bone, to take away and to heal our pains, to enrich our joy, that our joy will be full and our life to be abundant. This is how we approach the word. Amen? You heard the instructions that, that, uh, that the writer in Ephesians gave to us. Put away the things, uh, right? Put away the things of the world. Don't worry about how they do things. Don't do it the way they do it. Don't think the way they think. Don't react the way they react. Remember, you are a new creature in Christ Jesus, set apart for him. That you look at things differently. You hear things with a different filter. You respond from a different point of view. We are the people of God. Amen? And we're not like them. Matter, do you remember going to the altar? Do you remember the salvation experience that you had? Why did you come? Because you were acting like them. You were doing the things they were doing. You were following the same dreams, the same aspirations, the same habits, the same thought patterns. And it brought you to a place of shame and remorse. Remember that? And you came to the altar and you said, God, if you would just forgive me of my sins. Wash me. Let me be new. And then something happened. The newness began to wear off. In a disposable society in which we live in today, we allowed other people to gauge us down. Don't be so fanatical, right? Don't, don't be so rude. Understand how other people think. Be, be conscious of them. Now, don't hear what I'm saying. Should we live in love and grace and peace and mercy? Yes, we should. Should we be non-offensive in our manners? Absolutely. But the word of God is an offense to the world, amen? And because we're concerned about how they feel, there are times that we won't take the word of God to them because we don't want them to think that I'm a fanatical. We don't want them to think that I'm some kind of crazy religious nut. I want them to think that I'm just like them. Do you see the paradox there? Do you see the, the, the wrongness of that? God says we are a holy people set apart for him. That he has given us a message of reconciliation and only we can administer that to the world. Amen? We are the only ones that stand between the lost and damnation. We're it. And if we don't do something, the world is going to die in their sins and suffer death their entire eternity. Because we chose to be like them. Because we chose to let them, or this guy, gauge how I engage with the Creator. Does that make sense to you? It makes sense to her, I hear her. How about you? Does it make sense to you? I want to take you to a passage of scripture. It's found in John chapter 4. Very familiar chapter to you. 
You've heard it. You're, if, anybody went to Sunday school when they were kids? Anybody? You can raise your hand. Let me know. Okay, you did? Okay, good. All right. This is a passage of scripture that you've lived with your whole life. It's become so common to you that when I share it with you, you're going to be tempted to tune out because it's so common. Let's talk about the woman where? At the well. Let's talk about this. We know that Jesus and his disciples, all right, were traveling. And I've been to the Holy Land. Walking in the Holy Land is tough. There's rocks everywhere. Anybody ever been to the Holy Land? Anybody? No? We, we have rocks, okay? Not like them. Not like them. Matter of fact, you know, it's sort of like walking on pebbles the whole way, right? It, it's tough, and it's hot, and it's a desert, right? And you can only carry so many provisions with you. So here we find Jesus and the disciples traveling, and it's in the middle of the day, and it's hot. Let's go to chapter 4, shall we? Verse 1. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard what he was gaining, that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, point part, but it was disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had gone through Samaria. Curious, curious about that. Why did he go through there? Because Jews usually took great pains not to go through Samaria. But he was going through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground where Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Joseph well was there, and Jesus, what's the next word that he uses? Tired. He was tired because he was truly and properly God and truly and properly man, right? He got tired, and this time he was extremely tired. And he was from his journey. He sat down by the well, and it was about noon. All right. When's the hottest day? When's the hottest part of the day? Between twelve and two, right? Right. So he sat down. He was hot. He's at a well. All right. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, "Will you give me a drink?" Because his disciples had gone in to buy food. Now, we're just, I'm not going to take you verse by verse, but here's the interesting part about this. Jesus came, sat down, and went, whew, man, it's hot, I'm tired, I just need a break, right? He's been preaching, he's been teaching, right? When you worked hard all day, and when you get home, what do you want to do? You just want to sit down, take your shoes off, right? Don't anybody talk to me. Right? Don't talk to me. I don't care what I'm eating for dinner. <laughs> All I want you to give me is a cold glass of tea or a glass of water and just let me sit here. This is where Jesus was. Anybody ever went on a plane? Ever, anybody went on vacation on a plane? Right? You know when you're, when you're on a plane, you have those layover kind of times, and you're just sitting there, and you get on a plane, and you're sitting there next to somebody you don't know, and you're all you can think of is, please don't let this person talk to me. I just, I just need to sit here. I, I'm gonna, here, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna read a book. <laughs> I'm gonna try to hide. I'm gonna do something, hoping nobody's going to engage you. Here's this woman at 12 o'clock in the afternoon, hot, coming to a well to get some water. That was an odd thing. You know that, right? Because you know everybody got water in the morning for their day's labor, right? Nobody's coming to the well at noon. 
here's the deal. Jesus catches his eye on this woman. She's coming. She's drawing something. She's trying to ignore him. And I think down deep, he wants to ignore her because of his human capacity. But he recognizes something. He is the Christ. He is the representative of salvation upon this earth. And here was a woman coming out of the city of Sychar in Samaria who had already lost their way. And she was in danger of dying without knowing who God was. He was compelled. It wasn't like he's like, yeah, okay, ooh, here's another one. No, no, he was compelled to engage. Because he saw her in her state of being. He was more concerned with her than he was with his own self-comfort. And he says to her, that breaks a whole spectrum of cultural norms of that day. Right? Man speaking to a woman, a Jew speaking to a Samaritan, they're all alone, she's probably scared, you know, all of this. And here on top of that he remarks in what we would interpret a very sexist way. In 2021, most of, the, uh, most of the people who would want to be on one side of the spectrum would say, see, Jesus was a sexist. <laughs> because instead of drawing water for himself, he looks at this woman and demeans her and says, can you draw me some water? And she flips off. She goes into a whole stereotypical fashion. Who are you? Who do you think you are? <coughs> right? That's the comment. If you were to get it to our language today, she looks at Jesus and with anger and disgust, she asks this question. Who do you think you are? To ask me, a woman, a Samaritan, for water. What's Jesus' response? Now, we know if it were us, we probably would just ignore like we do everybody else in the grocery store line. Yes? We would probably ignore her just like we do when we have to go in and we're standing in a line at a gas station to pay for our gas. We would probably ignore her just like we do everybody else when we go into, into a public place. Am I being too harsh on that? Am I speaking truth to you? Do, you? do you feel that? I mean, how many of you are invisible? You want to be invisible to the world except for those that you're with. Right? But Jesus had to overcome all of that. And instead of responding, oh, oh, sorry, ma'am, didn't mean to offend you. Sorry, sorry, I didn't, you know, I'll just, I'll just sit over here. No, no. Jesus kept going. Not in a way to drive her off or to be offensive. But he was engaging enough that eventually she told him her whole life story. Now I want to tell you something about me. Um. Uh, I've been a Salvation Army officer for 36 years, almost 36 years. I lose count. I'm old. <laughs> the fat keeps the wrinkles out. <laughs> but for the longest time as a Salvation Army officer, 
I allowed myself to outsource the calling of God upon my life. I outsourced it to the organization of the Salvation Army. I became a, a professional preacher officer. What I mean by that? I thought I was doing God's will by, by preparing a decent sermon for my people on Sunday morning. I would come in, it depends on what core I was at, whether I had 50 or whether I had 350, it depends on which core I was at, but I always wanted to prepare a good word for the people on a Sunday morning. I thought I was doing my work as an evangelist when the Holy Spirit would move in the meetings and they would come and they would pray at the altar. I would teach Sunday school class, I would teach Bible class, I would do all of these things thinking that I had fulfilled God's calling upon my life. I would go to the meetings the Salvation Army had done, I, I, would, do, I, I would go to camps and I would go to congresses and I would go all these places and we would celebrate together thinking that, God, that, that, that I was doing what God called me to do. Until one day in Norfolk, Virginia, I'm sitting with my accountability partners, men, captains of industry, sitting around a table every Tuesday morning talking about how God was using him, their struggles, their temptations, their victories, and particularly on this morning, they were talking about the awesome opportunities they've had to lead somebody in their workforce to Jesus. One of the lawyers, one of my good friends, he's, he was talking about how his receptionist had worked for him for three years and he had been testifying, but finally last week he was able to pray the, the sinner's prayer with her and lead her into the kingdom. My, my good brother Scott, he, he owned a large framing brother, uh, our business uh, there on the eastern shore, and, and he was able to talk, he was talking about how he brought his foreman on the dock to Jesus. And, and as it was coming around, coming around, then finally my best friend, looked at me and said, Gene, when's the last time you talked to somebody about Jesus? When's the last time you brought somebody to Jesus? And I puffed my chest out and I said, oh man, I had a great Sunday night the other night. I was able to preach and I had about 40 people at the altar. No, 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 no. I'm not asking what you did professionally. I'm asking what you did as a disciple. And I was like, well, but, but, but he goes, no, no. And all of my friends <laughs> turned their gaze on me. See, all of these guys went to church every morning on Sunday. They, they all were Sunday school teachers. They all did the same thing I did, right? But they're talking about G taking Jesus out to the, to, the, uh, to the world, right? And all I had done for years is keep Jesus right here. Right here in this room. Because when I walked out the door, I was a Salvation Army officer, I was a businessman. And people were talking to me, either I was talking to the United Way, or I was presenting what the Army was doing, I was living life, I was going home being a husband, I was doing all these things. And I was leaving Jesus behind. I had to go back decades in my officership to find a point where I talked to somebody individually about Jesus and offered them the plan of salvation. Now you would think I would learn from that experience. Next Sunday night, they just built a new Starbucks out by my house. <laughs> and on the way to the core, 
I thought, man, I just got enough time because, you know, I had 150 people on a Sunday night. I, I prepared. I took my Sunday afternoon nap, as all good preachers do, right? <laughs> and I was on my way. <coughs> How much time do I got? Now, are you still with me or have I lost you? You still with me? Okay. You got to be honest with me. So... So I'm on my way, and I said, I'll just pull into Starbucks. They didn't have the drive-in. I was going to have to go in. I'm going to get me a coffee, and I'll go to the court, and I'll be able to be there, and everything will be great, right? So I walk in. I, I remember it like it was yesterday. I walk in. There was two little baristas over there behind the bar, and there's a guy sitting over here right there next to the door. And I walk in, and as I'm walking in, one of the baristas says, yeah, I don't get this whole Jesus thing. People talk about Jesus, they talk about church, they talk about God, and I just don't understand it, I don't understand the Bible, and as I keep walking up, I'm hearing her as clear as day, and she walks up, and she turns, she says, just like this, she's talking to her person, and as I'm walking, she's talking, and she turns to me, can I help you? Uh, yeah, you got a caramel macchiato? Yeah, yeah, sure, anything else? We want, want, want whipped cream with that? And I knew, I knew, do you see it? God had already prepared a way for me, just like he said in Scripture. He'd already planted a seed. He'd already done all that. And as she's fixing coffee, I'm convicted. I can feel it in me. Gee, here it is. And I was like, man, I got I to I I get gone. I don't have time. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I see the guy that I passed by on the way in. He was sitting there. Guess what he was doing? He's reading the Bible. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you. <laughs> so I go over to him. He's reading the Bible. I say, hey, what are you reading? He goes, oh, I'm reading this passage of Scripture. I said, oh, great. Are you a believer? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, hey, this little girl over here wants to know about Jesus. Would you mind, if I introduced her to you, would you mind, you know, talking to her about Jesus? You know, because I really got to go. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He gets up. He gets his Bible. He walks over with me. I said, hey, listen, I know you were talking about wanting to know about Jesus. Hey, this guy here, he's a believer. Why don't you tell She goes, and he goes, I'd love to talk to you. She goes, well, I get, uh, my break's in about like 10 minutes. She goes, okay, I'll just wait over in the corner for you. She goes, okay, I'll be right over. She gives me the coffee. She goes, thank you. I said, hey, have a great day. I walk out of the door thinking, look at what I did. I did. I, did. I connected this person to somebody else, and she's going to get Jesus' message. Do you see the fallacy in that? I don't even have to go on, do I? As I was riding down there, I couldn't drink my coffee. I, I could, I, you know, I, I don't know how I got from point A to point B. All I know is I walked into a core, band was already playing, people were already there. I walked up, and all the way through all the preliminaries, I couldn't do it. I couldn't sing, I couldn't pray, I couldn't read, I couldn't do it. I get up, and the only thing that I can do, out of chivalry lip, I said to my friend, I said to my core, I said, I got to confess to you, I've sinned tonight. Now, how many times have your officers stood up and said, hey, i got to confess my sin to you? Everybody leaned in. And I told them what had happened. And as I'm telling them what was happening, I'm crying. My sergeant major comes up and puts a hand on my shoulder and said, Major, let's, let's go down to the altar and pray. And I went down and I knelt at the altar. And the whole corps got up and came over and prayed with me. And I prayed simple prayer, God, forgive me for my sin. For the sin of omission in my heart. For the abuse that I've used your word and your gift and your salvation. For the selfishness in which I've lived. For the fear that controlled me. For my own ingenuity. 
You know, in the scripture it says, God despises a crafty man. Forgive me. I promise not to do that again. Now, if you know me now, I'm talking to Jesus about everybody. <laughs> no matter if you're, if you're waiting on a table, if you're in a gas station. My main target right now is the manager of the subway on uh, South Street right over by DHQ. <laughs> I walk in. Matter of fact, this past, uh, this past Wednesday, Major Colson and I, we went down there for our lunch and got the sandwiches. And I said, hey, dear, how are you doing? She goes, oh, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're here. Why? And she begins to testify how God had moved in me. And she goes, and you know, I can't wait for you to come. I just needed you to know this is how God has blessed me. And I want you to keep praying for me. And I said, okay. In a subway. Why? Because she witnessed to me? No, no, because I walked in there one day and I said, blessings on you. I walked in the next day, did the same thing, and eventually I said to her about third visit, I said, hey, listen, I'm a believer. Is there anything I could pray for you about? You know what her response was? The manager of a subway in Charlotte, what, uh, I almost said Western, Charlotte, North Carolina, who I don't know, she's gendered, she's of a different race, she's older than I am, nothing, she and I have nothing in common other than I'm a customer, and I ask her, is there something I can pray for you about? You know what her response was? Yes, please. 90% of the time when I'm asking people, no matter where it is, whether it's in a grocery store, just standing in line, ask my wife, do it all the time, or I'm at a movie theater, or I'm at a, it doesn't matter where I'm at, I'm going to engage the public. Do you know why? Because I'm the only one standing between them and damnation. That's it. And unless I recognize who I am in Christ Jesus, unless I recognize what he has said to me, Go ye and preach the gospel to every creature. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He says to me that how will people hear if the preacher forbear? He says to me, and by the way, he's saying this all to you too. Amen? A amen? You recognize this is your message this morning. This is for you. This is when you walk out the door today, I need the Holy Spirit to weigh on you like a ton of bricks. I need for you to understand that God has called us. He said everyone should do the work of an evangelist. Not all are evangelists. But we should all do the work of evangelists. We should all offer that which we have. I'll tell you a real quick story. Penn and Teller. You probably don't know who they are. They're magicians, right? The big tall one. You know what I'm talking about, the big tall and the short one? The big one is an atheist. He's a profound atheist. He says, I don't believe. I don't believe anything. He said, but one day a guy came to the show, came to, waited after. I got to talk to him, realized he wasn't a nut, and we just started talking. And he says, here, I got something for you. He got it, gave him a little New Testament Bible. Right? He said, no, I don't believe that. He said, but I do, I do appreciate his authenticity. And he said, you know, if I did believe, if I believed there was a God, if I believed there was a Jesus, and the only way to heaven was by accepting him, and I knew that, how much would I have to hate somebody not to tell him? 
how much, now this is an atheist talk. He said, if I believe that, how much do I actually have to hate somebody not to tell them that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life? Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And he that loveth God knoweth God. And he that loveth not knoweth not God. God is love. And if we so pray for God's grace and love to be, to be bestowed upon us, and if we receive that, and we don't share it with anyone else, how could we possibly, with all sincerity, confess that we live a life of love when we're practicing hate every day? Just contempt for other people's lives. When we walk as though there's no one that I give a damn about other than me. Because all my prayers are focused on me. All God's grace is focused on me. All God, all I want God to do is work with me. God, I could give a flip about anybody else in my world. Major, I've never said that in my entire life. I've never thought that. I've never believed that. But we practice it. I did. I did. At the end of the story, we find that Jesus had worked through all the excuses this woman did, all the, all the socioeconomic barriers, all the racial barriers, all the gender barriers, all the political barriers, all the, the, uh, the, the, the just social norms. He worked all through that, and finally the woman stood there and says, I don't know what you are talking about, but I do know the Messiah will come, and when he comes, all my answers will be given to me. And Jesus stands up in front of this woman, in front of this well, at the heat of the day, where he, she's just stripped emotionally, and he looks at her and says, I am he. I'm the one. She gets up and she runs back into that town that had disgraced her, who didn't want anything to do with her, who had talked about her, who did all this shame. That's the reason she was at the well in the middle of the day. And she begins to scream out loud, come, I need to tell you something. And they all began to come out, and they were like, what's going on? What's I met a man who knows everything about me. You know many of our responses would have been at that time? I can tell you all about you. I know you. I don't need somebody else to tell me about you. But in, in no fear, she was fearless about this. Not about what I've done. He doesn't, yes, he's talked about all the things that I've done in the five men I've been. No, no, but he knows me. He knows everything about me inside that I don't share with anybody else. Now, that sort of pricked their interest. Disciples were leaving town about the time she started her message. They get up to, they get to Jesus. And Jesus said, they said, uh, you know, here's the food. He goes, no, I have food that you know nothing about. It wasn't something spiritual that he was talking about. No, no, you know, no, no, I, I, got, I, I got something who just jazzed me, who filled me up. 
Something just happened to me that sent me over, that took me above my physical needs, that took me above my, my, my physical cravings, that took me above all of that. I actually had an encounter with someone, talked to them about, the, about their soul, and the Holy Spirit, my Father, came and visited with us, and I am refreshed and renewed. Look! And they all turned their attention. And here comes the whole crowd out. Look! The fields are white unto harvest. Look at the throngs of people that are coming. They want to know me. They want to hear about what I had just done in that person's life. Why do you think people are attracted to Jesus? Because of the philosophers that wax eloquently upon page? No. Do you think they want to know Jesus because you see a billboard? Jesus lived? No. Why do people want to come to Jesus? Because they know what Jesus did for you. Why do you buy anything? Because somebody said this is a good product. Why do you want something? Because somebody else has it. Why does the world want Jesus? Because they see Jesus moving in me. And I've made the offer. Why isn't you seeing, why doesn't this core, why don't you see people coming to Jesus? Do you know why? I don't have to say it, do I? I don't think many of us believe what we're selling. I think the power of the Holy Spirit has long left us. Because we've allowed him to leave because of the barriers in which we put up. Because our resistance of being who we are called to be. In sake of normalcy. Major. Major, I, you, 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 no, I, I don't accept the guilt that you're giving me. I'm not asking for you. To, I'm, not, I'm not trying to imply guilt. That's not the point of the message. The point of the message is this. I love Jesus with all my heart. He radically changed my life. He allowed me to come into his very presence, which moves me. And when I recognize his presence, I get to shout hallelujah and amen. I get to allow his word to, 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 to wash over me. I get to allow my experiences to be different. I allow all of this to happen. And I'm so happy that he loves me in such a way that I cannot help but tell other people about him. There's not a person that walks in my life, stranger or no, that doesn't know about my daughter and about my wife. And my Jesus. Do you know why? Those are the three most important things to me in my world. And I talk about them incessantly. <laughs> Believe me, the time is coming. The time is coming. where we're going to be weighed. Time is coming. Now you, you think I'm going to talk about the end, the end of the day 
when we all stand before Jesus and he looks down at us and he says, good and faithful servant, right? I think the scripture tells us that's going to happen, right? But as far as when we stand in front of Jesus, the great white judgment throne, I don't think he's going to ask me if I was faithful. I don't think that's the question. That's a very judgmental question. It's a question of yes and no. That's a question of, did you do these things? Tick, 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 tick. Did you go to Sunday school? Did you wear, to, wear your uniform? Did you do this? Did you do this? Did you do this? I think the question, the measuring question that Jesus is going to ask us in this end day is this. Did you believe that I loved you as much as I said I did? Did you live in that love? Did you allow it to fill your heart and your mind? Now I can go on and on about how, how desperately in love I am with my wife and with my daughter. Because I know they love me. And because they love me, it spurs me to action. I drove two and a half hours the other day just to take my daughter to a pizza place. Because I love her. Because her love spurs me out. If we really love Jesus like we said we did. If we really did love him. How could we not share him? Would you pray with me? How many would say this morning, just by, just by raising your hand, Major, God has spoken to me today and he has stirred my heart. Can you just raise your hand and say, God spoke to me today? God bless you. God bless you. Yeah, amen. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. That took a little bit of strength to do that, right? Anybody else? God speak to you? Okay. Good. I'm going to ask you to do something else. Because I think our belief patterns have to follow our actions. So I'm just asking you, if you're willing you say, I need God to touch me today. I need, I've heard what he has to say. It's stirred in my heart, but now I need a blessing from him. Would you just stand? Because I'm going to pray for you, those who stand with me, asking God to anoint you today. Who would stand and say, yes, God, I need God's blessing on my life today. Amen. Amen. This is not to be judgmental. If you don't, don't, don't worry about keeping seated. Don't worry about that. Let's pray together. Father, my friends, my friends, stand. And I ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would take that movement, whatever, whatever you spoke to them, however you moved them, Lord, that you would just, your Holy Spirit would now anoint them. That, Father, that they would, they would know, <laughs> they would know that they stand free in you. That, Father, that you give them the power and the grace to do that which you've called them to do. Not outside of their personality, not outside of the, but just who they are in loving you, naturally sharing you with others that they meet. So, God, I pray that even today that you would open their eyes to see the opportunity to share that news with someone today. And God, as you did me, as you did me, Lord, help 
give us the strength and the courage to do it, to get outside of our own shell or to get outside of our own fear, get outside of our own thinking, to be able to finally do that which you called us to do. Because we trust you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for your Holy Spirit, for your anointing, for your passionate, life-changing power. Christ, I pray. Amen. God bless you today.